Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to the podcast episode number 220. And for all of you gear junkies out there, like me, it doesn't get any better than this week's interview because we have a new addition to our expert network, Chad Cooper, who really knows his tactical gear when it comes to preparing to protect yourself and those you love during any kind of a crisis that's going to strain our infrastructure and turn the world outside your door into a virtual battleground of looters, beggars, and criminal predators. Now, this is sort of a top five list, and it just begs for a follow-up additional top five list that I promise is going to be coming up soon. But until then, check out this week's broadcast, and don't forget to grab your free show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points for your reference anytime that you like. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 220 and download it all for free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You know what keeps me up at night? It's the thought of my family looking at me with fear in their eyes following a wide-scale disaster, crisis, or collapse and wondering when an angry mob is going to break through our front door in a bloodthirsty rampage. All right, now I know this sounds like a scene out of some Hollywood post-apocalyptic action flick, but I'm talking about the actual news. From the horrors of the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina to the stories of the devastation in Puerto Rico that has left that territory with looting gangs and mobs as a result of no electricity or functioning infrastructure, it's become painfully clear that when there's no rule of law, the wolves of our society go out on the prowl for victims. And the sad reality is that when they're pretty much free to do what they want, they're going to do it. I mean, think about it. When a crisis strains our infrastructure to the breaking point, the cops are nowhere to be found or they're circled around City Hall where the need is. And if you can't find a police officer or paramedic, they're probably just as worried about getting their own loved ones to safety as you are. In a situation like that, you've got to rely on yourself. And while your mindset, skills, and your training play a big part in that, There's absolutely no doubt that having the right gear can save your life when you're forced to defend yourself and those you love from looters, panic mobs, or protesters gone wild. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about simply owning a firearm. Fact is, the prepared survivalist does more than just own a gun. There's a lot of other gear that could be helpful for you and or your survival team to keep yourself safe when the world around you suddenly becomes a battlefield. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And today we're talking with Chad Cooper, owner of Infidel Body Armor. Chad, welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be here, Jeff. Good to have you on, man. I've been following your stuff here for a while, and it's uh, it's good to add you to the network and then introduce you out to our audience as well. Now, listen, for those of you listening out there, some of you might already be familiar with the Infidel brand of body armor, but what you may not know about Chad and his company is that Infidel doesn't just sell body armor. They actually offer some pretty cool gadgets and gear that can help you survive when you're facing the types of threats that we're going to be talking about today, and they're based on real-world experience. Now, for over 16 years, Chad has been proactively involved in serving and protecting our great nation. With a background in both the military and law enforcement, Chad has been able to work with some of the best in the industry. Now, his 10 years of intelligence experience is bolstered by a master's in strategic intelligence and years of hands-on leadership with signals and geolocation analysis intelligence. You can visit his website over at www.infidelbodyarmor.com. 
So, Chad, one of the things that we were talking about when, when we were talking about like this, um, um, like what really happens after a crisis, when there are mobs out there potentially with a breakdown in infrastructure, food is low, water might be in a crisis. In fact, we have a crisis going on right now in Austin, Texas, nearby me, where there, there's a mandatory boil uh, 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 notice that's out there, <clears throat> and people are getting in fist fights over water. And we've seen this time and time again that after like a, a true like wide-scale crisis, a collapse, or anything like this, then people, people don't understand human nature and how survival can make people do things that they, they wouldn't normally do. And some people, though, are really wolves of our society, and, and they are, you know, they're, they're looking for this opportunity, right? Like they, they relish in the opportunity to not have um, any accountability for their actions. And so my challenge to you, after I mean, I've, I've been on your site before, and some of the stuff that's on there, people might look at as like, well, this is all military gear and equipment. Well, for prepper defense, for when you're the only one that can guard your home, there is other gear that can help you do that. The same way that we, you know, in the military, go out on the battlefield and we have specific gear to get us home alive. Well, there's certain gear that can help somebody in defending their home and their family during these times of crisis. And so my challenge to you was, like, try and come up with, like, five items. What are five items that if you were putting together, like, whether it was just you and your family or maybe even just you or you and your, let's call it a survival team, were going to get together and you were going to defend whether your home, your neighborhood, but it was it was your you – you were going to put in a defensive position there. What was some of the stuff that would help you to do that? What kind of gear would help you in that defense? And so I'm pretty much just throwing this out to you as a challenge. Like, okay, let's come up, give me five really cool things that people may not think about, but really should as part of their plan. So we're just going to kind of go down this as like a, okay, what's, what's item number one when it comes to uh, really good defensive gear for preppers? Well, I like what you said when people are putting together their plan and I think that's number one, but I don't want to use that as my number one thing, but you need to have a plan. So many people think, well, oh, I've got a gun. That's checked off my list. Well, have you re- have you gotten training on how to use it? Have you actually run around with a rucksack on your back, you know, and, and had that gun and, and engaged man-like targets? Or did, did all you do is go down to the range, set up on a nice bench, practice your breathing, and slowly pull the trigger when no one's shooting back at you? Mm-hmm. And um, so – there's lots of different types of weapons, right? So pistols, rifles, and, and you had mentioned previously um, pepper spray. You know, there's all different types of weapons, even hand-to-hand. Your hands can be a weapon. So my number one thing that I would say is, yes, a weapon, but not only that, I would pair it with information and training about the weapon and how to use it. And so that's one of the things that I've done uh, over the last three years now. I've I've worked with some really fantastic um, special forces guys, um, Navy, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and even some more secret squirrel type stuff uh, with the government. But we provide training um, for those who want to get that type of training. And it's not just military type training, but this is all of it, all of the things that we offer there geared toward the civilian um, that wants to survive a collapse type situation, all of our trainers are of the same mindset. So the tips they're going to have, the um, the types of things that they're going to teach you, they're, they're not going to be like, okay, now's the part where you call in the uh, artillery, you know, call in the artillery strike. It's not going to be like that. So um, 
at least biannually. The last the last year we've done, I believe, three we've done three trainings. We have one more coming up next month where we teach people the basic, I guess, infantry type skills, how to conduct a patrol, how to um, surveil a, a, a an area. Um, just techniques that you might not know. And then we do live fire scenarios where we um, put some munitions into the gun and actually make two teams and, and fight back and forth. And we'll, we'll create these scenarios. It's invaluable training. The first one that I did like that, where it was a force on force situation was about four and a half years ago. My mind was blown because I thought I understood, you know, tactics, but when somebody's shooting back at you, it just changes the way you approach a situation. So I think that type of experience is phenomenal. So, yeah, my number one is a weapon and how to use it in a real type of situation and, and, and getting that expert knowledge on how to use it. Yeah, especially in these scenarios, right? Because you're right, most people, when they're when they're going to, uh, you know, they, they get a firearm, even if it's an AR-15 or something, like they're going and they're going to the range, but... You know, I live in Texas, right? Like they almost issue you a firearm when you cross the border and decide to become a resident. And even so, it's still relatively hard to find that kind of training where it's tactical driven. It's not just how close can you get your shot group on your AR? Is it zeroed right? Do you have the right scope and things like that? It's it's really about the tactics. Um, and most people are just dealing with one-on-one tactics. When we're talking about prepper defense, you might be in a situation where you're facing a mob. You might be facing... You know, there could be a protest that's going on because there's there is no infrastructure and people are tired of being hungry and they need to protect their families. And so it, it's not going to be you versus a single robber in a parking lot. It could be you with 20 people outside of your house that are saying it's not fair that you have food and we don't give it up or we're burning the house down sort of a thing. So you're right. I mean, this is very special. We're talking about very specialized um, training uh, to back up the weapons that everybody's so fond of, right? So, uh, so okay, I, that's right. item number one. That, that totally makes. That's sense. number one, and just to just to piggyback on that, um, you know, sometimes if you if, if you have if you have a hammer, you see every problem as a nail, you know. So you can, you know, you want to use your your weapon if that's all you've got. We do with this one scenario. It's fantastic. It's called the hooded box, and we put this hood over the person being going through this scenario can't see anything. He's got a weapon and it's a simunition weapon. So he can actually shoot somebody with it, not kill him. And he doesn't know what the scenario is going to be when we pull the, pull the hood off of him. It might just be friendly people. It might be guys aiming guns at them. It might be, it might escalate. And, and he has to make a, a, a decision real, real quick. He can't think about, you know, he's, he's just got to react. And we do this at the end of the, <clears throat> this is the, kind of the capstone exercise. But it's a really, really good uh, thing. And I'll just plug my my good friend, Scott Wheeling. He's the owner of Briggs Core Dynamics. And, and he's my main, um, yeah, he's my main guy when we go to do the training and things like that. It's, it's a good, good time. And, and we, we do training courses in Texas as well, uh, Indiana and Arizona, uh, California, and uh, I've got other contacts, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic time. Number two, you got to sleep sometime. I know you want to get get moving. So number two, uh-huh. you got to sleep sometime. And and I've told somebody this before. I said night vision is very very important because I could go up against, um, I would say twenty to thirty people all by myself. If 
as long as I had night vision and they didn't. Um, everybody has to sleep sometime. I could sleep during the day and then harass them all night long so that they're eventually worn down and they're never sleeping. And I can pick them off. We've done scenarios. And in fact, we do live training just like this with the night vision where uh, we conduct a, a raid and it's, it's, it's super easy. It's like shooting somebody. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, you're much, much more safer at night conducting operations because nobody else can see you. And then if somebody else is out at night, if the, if the mob's out at night, if there's looters running around, you can see them and they don't necessarily think that you can see them. I think night vision is the number one force multiplier after having a rifle. It's, it's a huge force multiplier and not just night vision, but you have to have a, a way to aim your rifle or your weapon with that night vision. So, you know, you might look at some sort of uh, laser optic or a night optic that works in conjunction with the night vision, but it all comes down to using it and then training once again. Um, I think rifles and, and night vision are the are the two biggest things that you could have in a collapse type situation. Not necessarily that you're going to be killing somebody, but you've got the force to protect it yourself and your family if it comes down to that. Yeah, that's that's uh that's interesting. I mean, I think pretty much everybody has seen, you know, visions of of soldiers in Iraq or Afghanistan and going around and they have night vision on. Like it's 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 part of what you have as your gear as a soldier. And there's a reason for that, right? Like you're on a mission where you're defending yourself or you are going, you know, you're on a mission. You have a purpose there and nighttime is when you know that's when you have advantage. Now the enemy has the advantage also. If you're on a battlefield, traditional battlefield, you pretty much be assured that the enemy, the enemy has a uh, night vision also. So you've got to be more, you know, much more cautious there. But in a, a civilian situation, like we're talking like this, like after a collapse, most people are not going to have that. Right. So, so that gives, again, we're talking about advantages here. So it, it's advantages if you have the right kind, not just the weapon, but if you have the right kind of weapons specific to like, this type of a scenario, right? Like a 22 pocket pistol is not necessarily going to hold off a mob, right? So, so having the right weapon, um, having a night vision gives you another advantage. Um, so this is all stacking up in people's favor. What's item number three that you recommend people for prepper defense gear? So I, this kind of goes in. So I've, I've got three tops, top, top uh, categories. And one is security. You can't have, you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't have shelter if you don't have security. If you lose your security, you lose everything. So for me, security is, is first and foremost. So having a weapon helps you create security. Having night vision gives you that edge so you can um, see further out. So my number three is going to be information. So how do you get information? Um, it can come in the form of communications. So ham radios, uh, television, cell phones, um, all the way to doing foot patrols with binoculars, you know, to be able to see over the next hill what's what's going on in, in the um, in the neighborhood just to the east of you. You know, is, is there looting in that neighborhood or is it safe? Um, you know, have neighbors started fighting amongst themselves over cans of beans in that neighborhood? Because if it's in their neighborhood, it's probably coming to yours. It gives you that extra edge to to be prepared for what's coming. Maybe you don't want to stay. Maybe your plan is to, wow, this is a huge mob of 100 people. There's, there's no way that we're going to stand a chance whatsoever. The best course of action right now is to retreat or to hide or go someplace different. But you wouldn't 
you wouldn't know to do that unless you had that foreknowledge. So information is key. Uh, maybe setting up a network of friends that are all on the same radio channel, you know, if you've got walkie-talkies or things like that. So, um, and even rewinding a little bit further back, but information, knowing where you think the mobs are going to be coming from. Are they coming from the Section 8 housing? Are they going to be coming from, you know, the city? How close are you to a highway? If you've had to flee, are you going to get on the highway or are you going to take back roads? If, if Google is down, if your cell phone network's not working, do you have the maps to know where to go? So communication uh, and planning for knowledge, information is, is key. So information is my, is my number three. And um, I, I, it encompasses so much, but you just have to have that information to be able to make a, 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 a decision. Spoken like a true intelligence specialist, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, we have <laughs> talked about that before, like um, where, you know, not just thinking about, like, the further out you can push your perimeter, we talk about detect, delay, defend, right? So the further out you can detect something, the the better, you know, more time you have to be, be able to prepare a defense, um, the sooner you can you can make contact with somebody to be able to pre- prevent them getting through, you can... There's all, you know, there's all, there's the element of surprise in there as well. You don't want to be surprised and the further out you can do that. And so the further out you can push that perimeter and that doesn't necessarily even mean physical. Like you say, if you have communication, then you can go even like the next town, depending upon how far people go. I know we have some people that are like ham radio operators and, um, most people aren't. And it's obviously a very, you know, it's an involved process to get there, but even just having some sort of a, a communication network with, the next town or the next block or the next, you know, whatever um, helps you to kind of get that intel as soon as possible so that you can put in those delay and defend uh, mechanisms as well to kind of keep your family safe. So that's awesome. Um, okay. What's uh, item number four? Okay. So I think it's important. Everyone has a different situation. Not everybody is in a family situation. Um, not everybody lives in Texas where, you know, they, they know the lay of their land. You might be somewhere else. You might be, um, your, your scenario might be different. Maybe you're at work when it goes down and you've got to get back to your, to your family. But, um, so after you have your, your personal defense weapon, you need to have some sort of way to sustain yourself. So this is super easy, no brainer type stuff, but you need to have food. You need to have water. You need to have a way to sustain yourself so you're not going out and foraging. You, you know, you don't want to be out with the looters. Um, you know what I mean? Like if, if there's roving gangs out there, the safest place for you to be is where they're not. So if you only have a short, a small amount of food and water in your house, there may come a time where you have to go out and start foraging. You're going to be putting yourself at danger. And if you're in danger, who's going to defend your family? So having a decent supply of food and water inside your house, I think, is very important. And not just, so say we had to flee, because that was one of our scenarios. If you have to flee, do you have those um, high-density calorie foods that you can take with you? And do you have a way to purify water? So you could use, like for you guys right now, you're using boiling. You can boil water. You can treat it chemically or you can filter it, but you need to have a way to get food and get water no matter which situation you're in. So I think those are are a a category that needs to be definitely planned out and 
um, and implemented, you know, when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, look, I'm assuming people are out there are more prepared than most people when it comes to stockpiling some, some food and having a way to water. So if you're looking for food, you can pretty much be sure that the general population is looking for food too. So you're essentially going to the same places to look for it that they are. And that's where we see most of these fights happen. And in some cases, even attacks happen when you're at these positions of resupply, whether it's a gas station, whether it's the grocery store, whether it is a water distribution point, um, those are the areas where people that are in the most need are going to be in one location. And when you get that kind of group mind think going, it only takes one person to spark off things getting way out of control. So, you know, I know most people would think about, well, you just don't go to those locations. And that's true if you follow the advice that you just gave, right? Like if you don't have to go out. So, so, uh, good stuff. Uh, okay. What's, what is item number five on prepper defense gear? Okay. So item number five and, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to plug body armor here and I I'm saying it last for a reason. I've had lots of people come to me and they say, Chad, how do I get prepared? What do I need to do? And I'll go through a, a list of things. The, the first thing a prepper, when a person wakes up and they're like, oh, my gosh, I need to be prepared because I think we're in danger. You know, it's kind of like it, somebody wakes up and they, they realize this. It doesn't – I don't tell them first thing, go buy body armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, typically it starts out on the, the Glenn Beck spectrum, I, I call it, and they work their way slowly towards Alex Jones spectrum. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum. Lizard. So, yeah. yeah. I tell people, you know, let's start with food, build a three-day supply, build a month supply, uh, get a weapon, get the training, uh, get night vision, have a way to purify water. And then at the other end, um, you want to, once you've checked pretty much all of the, the no-brainer boxes off, I say, okay, well, what's left? You know, you can look at things like um, gas masks. You can look at, um, like, iodine for nuclear uh, attacks and things like that, and then body armor. I, I kind of put it in that category because most people aren't infantry type. They're not going to be out conducting those types of operations, but body armor does uh, increase your probability of survival. It just does. So even if you're planning to stay in your house, um, if somebody's outside, I want my body armor on in that type of a situation. They probably have a weapon. Bullets go through walls. I want that extra protection for not just for me, but I want it for my family, too. I I want it for my kids. I want it for my wife. So, yes, I'm going to be at the front. I'm I'm, I'm the tip of the spear, but bullets don't know that, and so I want protection for them. We use body armor when we're traveling. Say we do need to bug out, and or we have to go to the water source down by the pond that's, you know, a mile away or something like that. We're wearing body armor. Whether we're walking, whether we're driving, you have body armor. You don't just have to wear it. You could put it in the, in the sides of the door. Say you have an infant or a young, young child. They're not going to wear body armor, but you can put it along the sides of the doors, uh, to protect against bullets coming in. Um, and, and people say, well, body armor, um, you know, that's for military type stuff, but I think there's so many situations where it just makes sense for civilians. And then the last thing that people tell me, they say, well, should I get, should I get uh, side body armor? And I'd always tell people, and this, this, this circles back to, if you have it, you have options. Say you never put it on. 
but you have that option to put it on. If you don't have it, you don't have that option. And I'm a big fan of options when it comes to my survival. I want to have a plan, and I want that plan to have options in case I need to call an audible. And I'd rather have it and not need it than wish I had it. Yeah. That's a great idea also to put it on, like, to have it on the inside of the uh, of the of the vehicle as well. I mean, or you know, if you don't want to wear it, obviously. But um, we've talked about that in the past. Like, you know, do you stack up telephone books if you can even like? I don't know where you would even go to find like giant telephone books these days. But <laughs> but basically, you know, we've we've talked about you know, do you stack those up on the inside of your of your minivan of your soccer van? You know, it's like so that's a really I haven't really thought about like just taking taking the gear and then having a way to hang it there. So it provides some bulletproof protection on the sides there, but you can take it and put it on if you need to, because most people aren't maybe so gung ho that they're going to be wearing, you know, body armor around. But again, given the situation, you might be at that level, depending upon what you're doing, where you're going, where you are, makes total sense. So uh, that's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, those are five really cool items, man. I know, uh, listen, I know you Obviously, you've got Infidel Body Armor is your is your website, right? So you have body armor over there. There's a lot of other cool stuff there, too, that I think a lot of people don't think about. So I'll leave that as an open question mark for people. Uh, guys, Jeff, definitely go over and check it out. Actually, Chad's site is one of the few that is uh, – they're not just, like, product dealers. Uh, Chad really believes in this stuff. He writes about this stuff. He's got a great newsletter. He's got a, a really good blog. I mean, so there's there's really good training that they have over there. So it's, it's more than just, here's the body armor. Definitely go check it out. Um, I'm, de- we're going to, Chad, we're going to have you back on, man. This is a really cool topic. I love this topic, especially I'm a gear junkie, just like every other person as well. So, uh, so I love to get new ideas on all this stuff. And, uh, awesome. I appreciate you taking some time with us today. And for everybody else out there, listen, go over, check it out. Chad and his training, www.infidelbodyarmor.com. Dot com. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.